Why is change so hard? And why do so many people talk about a better future, a better body, or a better mindset, but yet they can't seem to actually change on a deeper level? Why do so many of us wait for crisis, trauma, disease, diagnosis, betrayal, or even loss to finally make up our mind to change? I believe that we can learn and change in a state of pain and suffering, or we can learn and change in a state of joy and inspiration. Which will you choose? I'm your host, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and in the previous episode, we went into depth on how the brain works from a scientific point of view. Now I want to show you how the brain and the body react to change and what that biological model looks like. This episode will help you understand a fundamental part of what it means to become supernatural so that you, as the viewer, can move past the pain of yesterday into the joy of a new future. What is change? Let's assume that your thoughts have something to do with your destiny or your future, that you believe that your thoughts create your life. In the last episode, I mentioned that you think 60 to 70,000 thoughts in one day, and 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts as the day before. So if you believe that your thoughts have something to do with your future, and 90% of those thoughts are exactly the same as the day before, then it makes sense then your life or your future isn't going to change very much. Because the same thoughts always lead to the same choices. The same choices always lead to the same behaviors. The same behaviors create the exact same experiences, and the same experiences produce the same emotions and those same emotions begin to influence your very same thoughts. And everything in your biology stays the same. Your neurocircuitry, your neurochemistry, your hormones, and even your gene expression is equal to how you think, how you act, and how you feel. And how you think, how you act, and how you feel is called your personality. And your personality is intimately connected to your life or your personal reality. Reason this with me. There's a principle in neuroscience called Hebb's Law. And Hebb's Law says that nerve cells that fire together, wire together. So if you keep thinking the same thoughts, making the same choices, demonstrating the same behaviors, creating the same experiences and producing the same feelings and emotions for the last 10 years, it makes sense then you're gonna to begin to hardwire your brain into a very finite signature. And that box in your brain, by the time you're 35 years old, becomes a very hardwired set of programs that becomes your identity or personality. And that 35-year-old mark means that most people, by the time they reach that age, become a set of memorized behaviors, unconscious emotional reactions, automatic habits, hardwired attitudes, beliefs, and perceptions 
that function just like a computer program. So now when a person decides to change, and they're using 5% of their conscious mind to go against what they've memorized subconsciously 95%, they can think positively all they want, but that thought will actually never make it past their brainstem into their body because their thought is saying one thing and their body has been conditioned into the past. So I assert that if you're not using your thoughts to be defined by a vision of the future, to create a new life, then you're left with the memories of your past and you will become predictable in your life. So most people then, when they wake up in the morning, they're a clean slate. They're not thinking anything. They're not feeling anything. In a matter of moments, because the brain is a record of the past, they start thinking about those problems, those problems in their life that are associated with certain people and certain objects and certain things at certain times and places. The moment they start thinking about those problems, they're thinking in the past because they are memories from the past. And every single one of those conditions or problems has an emotion associated with them. And the definition of a feeling or an emotion is a record of a past experience. And the moment they get in touch with those familiar feelings, and those feelings are driving their thoughts, and you believe that your thoughts have something to do with your destiny, we could say then they're thinking in the past. And as long as they're thinking in the past, their past will always be their future. Now certain people, they get caught in these loops of thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking. Now why does this happen? If feelings and emotions are the end product of past experiences, and you can remember experiences better because you can remember how they feel, we could say then that the stronger the emotion you feel from some problem or condition in your life, the more altered you feel inside of you, the more it's gonna wake you up and you're gonna pay attention to what's causing it outside of you. And when you narrow your focus on the cause, the brain freezes an image and takes a picture. And that picture becomes the memory embossed in the brain. Now, People tend to think neurologically within the circuits of that past experience, and they tend to feel within the boundaries of those emotions, which are chemicals. And of course, how they think and how they feel becomes their state of being. And you can say to a person, why are you this way? And they will say, I am this way because of some experience that happened to me 35 years ago. And what they're saying from a biological standpoint, that 35 years ago, they had an event that altered them and they have not been able to change since. Now, the latest research on memory says that 50% of what you talk about in your past isn't even the truth. That memory is creative because you don't have the same brain that you had 35 years ago. And what does that mean? People embellish the memories of the experience to reaffirm the emotion that they are identifying with that keeps them in the past. And in a sense, we could say then 
the person is reliving a miserable life that they never even had. And their brain and body, neurologically and chemically, are being further tacked or conditioned into the past. And so people get caught in these loops of thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking for 10, 20, 30, and 40 years. And the redundancy of that cycle of thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking conditions the body to subconsciously become the mind of that emotion. And when the body becomes the mind of that emotion, now the body literally is in the past. And you can't create a new future holding on to the emotions of your past. And in a sense, your body is your unconscious mind. It's objective. It does not know the difference between an actual experience in your life that's creating an emotion and the emotion that you're creating or fabricating by thought alone. It means then that your body is believing it's living in the same past experience 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. To the body, it literally is in the past. So then to change then is to be greater than your body, to be greater than the conditioning of the body living in the past. Now, what do most people do once they reaffirm the thoughts and feelings, their state of being that keep them in the familiar past? They start to crave the predictable future. So, living in the familiar past is living connected to everything known in your life. So then what they do is they reach for their cell phone, they check their texts, they check their Facebook, they post a picture on Instagram, they tweet, they check one email, they check the other email. They checked everything that's known and familiar in their life, and now they're connected to everything familiar in their known reality. And they run through a series of automatic, unconscious behaviors in routine. Now, a habit is a redundant set of automatic, unconscious thoughts, behaviors, and emotions that's acquired through frequent repetition. A habit is when you've done something so many times that your body now knows how to do it better than your conscious mind. So if a person has been living in the same routine for years on end, their body now is on autopilot and it's dragging them as the mind into the predictable future. And they've lost their free will to a program. Now it's no longer that their personality is creating their personal reality. Now their personal reality is creating their personality. And we can say that their environment is controlling how they feel and how they think. So then you say to a person, why are you so upset today? And they'll say to you, I am upset because of this person or this thing in my life. And what they're really saying is, that person or that circumstance in their life is literally controlling their feelings and thoughts. And if that is the case by very definition, it means then that they are the victim to their life. And that is the unconscious program that they're living by. So then, in order for you to change, you're going to have to be greater than the conditions in your environment. And every great person in history knew this. They believed in a future 
that was already so alive in their mind that they began to live as if that future reality was happening in the present moment. And they share the same brain as you and I. So then to change then, being greater than your environment, means then you have to be greater than the circumstances and conditions in your world. And as long as you're not creating anything new in your life, every person, everything that's already reflected in your brain, also then is an experience that has an emotion connected to it. And we can say then, when you're thinking equal to your environment, you'll keep reaffirming and creating the same environment. And finally, to change is to be greater than time. And if a person's living in the familiar past, that is called the known. If they're living in the predictable future, that is called the known. And to change then is to get beyond the programs of the future and the conditioning of the past and settle into the sweet spot of the generous present moment. That means then you're going to have to be greater than that line of time. And there is a skill and a formula that teach people how to be greater than their bodies, to be greater than the conditions in their environment, and to be greater than time. So in order for you to change, you're going to have to cross a river. And the hardest part about change is not making the same choice as you did the day before. So here's the old self, and here's the new self. And the moment you decide to make a different choice or to do something differently, you just stepped into that river of change and get ready because it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel unfamiliar. There's going to be some uncertainty. There's gonna be some unknowns. And most importantly, you're not gonna be able to predict the next moment. Now think about this. We just said that in order for you to change, you have to be greater than your body. And the redundancy of thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking conditions the body into the past. So the body has been trained to cling to what it knows. And now you're taking it out into the unknown. And the body says, I don't like this. I can't predict the future. And the body starts influencing our thoughts. And all of a sudden, we start to have these sub-vocalizations, this chatter in our head, these voices that tell us, start tomorrow. You'll never change. You're too much like your mother. It's your ex's fault. It's your boss's fault. This doesn't feel right. And most people listen to that thought as if it's true. And one of my greatest moments in my life is when I realize just because I have a thought doesn't necessarily mean it's true. So a person may say, I want to change something about myself. Today, no more blaming, no more complaining, no more suffering, no more self-pity. And now they're disrupting that chemical continuity. And all of a sudden, two hours goes by. And after that two hours, the body starts craving the conditioning of those familiar chemicals. And it's the body then that's influencing the mind for the body to return back to the same state of being. So then, going from the old self to the new self, is the neurological, the biological, 
the chemical, the hormonal, the genetic death of the old self. And in that place, that void, that place of uncertainty, is actually the perfect place to create something new. And people may say, I'm crossing that river of change. I can't predict my future. And the answer is, the best way to predict your future is to create it. What thoughts do you want to fire and wire in your brain and put your attention behind? What behaviors do you want to demonstrate in one day, in one lifetime? The latest research in neuroscience says that when you close your eyes and rehearse an activity mentally, that your brain does not know the difference between what's going on out there and what's going on in here if you're truly present, you begin to install the neurological hardware in your brain to look like you already did it. Now your brain is no longer a record of the past. Now it's literally a map to the future. You are priming your brain into the future. And if you keep doing it over and over again, firing and wiring, that hardware will become a software program. And who knows, you just may start acting like an abundant person. You may start thinking that you're healthy. Why? Because you installed those circuits. Now here's the hard part. Can you teach your body emotionally what that future will feel like before it's made manifest? That means you can't wait for your wealth to feel worthiness and abundance. You can't wait for your success to feel empowered. You can't wait for your new relationship to feel love. You can't wait for your healing to feel gratitude or wholeness. You can't wait for the mystical moment to feel awe. That's the old model of reality, of cause and effect. Waiting for something outside of us to give us relief from the emptiness and pain we feel inside of us. And some people will spend their whole life living in lack, waiting for something to change. And if you're waiting, then you're not creating. The quantum model of reality is about causing an effect. The moment you start feeling abundant and worthy, you are generating wealth. The moment you start embracing the feeling of empowerment, you are stepping towards your success. The moment you're in love with yourself and in love with life, you will create an equal. And the moment you start feeling grateful and you start feeling whole, your healing begins. And the moment you are in awe of life, you will have a mystical experience. Now that's causing an effect. And so from going from one state of mind and body, the old self, into a new state of mind and body, a new self, and crossing that river means there'll be new opportunities, new experiences, new events in your life, because you're no longer the old self. So the biological model of change then is breaking the habit of the old self and reinventing the new self. It's pruning synaptic connections and sprouting new connections. No longer signaling the same genes in the same way and learning how to signal new genes in new ways. Now, what I want you to know 
is that you already know how to do this. Every one of us has done something great in our lives. And what happened when we decided to make up our mind to create something or to do something differently? We ask ourselves the question, is it possible that I can be healthy? Is it possible that I can have the job of my dreams or the relationship of my dreams? And what would that look like? And when you ask that question, you turned on the creative center in your brain called your frontal lobe. And think of your frontal lobe as the symphony leader. And it has connections to all parts of the brain. So what it does is it naturally calls up different networks of neurons that are associated with that question based on the things you've learned intellectually in your life and the experiences that you've had as well. And it begins to seamlessly piece them together. The next thing you see is an image or a picture in your mind, and that's called intention. And now you are selecting a new possibility of your future. When you saw that image, you saw that picture in your mind, the next thing you know, you started to feel the emotion as if you were living in that future reality in the present moment. And we could say then, the moment you started feeling the emotion, the thought became the experience in your mind. And you were giving your body a sampling or a taste of the future. Now here's what you did when that happened. You started thinking about all the choices you had to make and you wrote them down. You started to think about all those experiences that would get you to that vision, all those goals. And every time you wrote those goals down, you felt more of those feelings. And you kept reviewing them in your mind so you can put your conscious mind on what you wanted. And then you did something really brilliantly. You started to write down the thoughts that you wouldn't let slip by your awareness unnoticed. Thoughts like, I can't, it's too hard, I'll never change. Those are thoughts that if you respond to them will cause you to lose sight of your future. And every day you reminded yourself of who you wanted to be, and every day you reminded yourself of who you no longer wanted to be. And then you started seeing synchronicities, opportunities, coincidences beginning to show up in your life. And that's the universe telling you that you're heading towards a new future. And when it finally happened, it was no longer about the event. It was about the fact that you created it. And so then the side effect of that is we become more whole, more present, more loving, because now we're living life less in lack. There's only three things that stop us from that vision of the future. The body, the environment, and time. Number one, the body. Most people say, I didn't feel like it, or I don't feel like it, I'm tired, I have a headache. And they use feelings as a barometer for change. And when you use feelings as a barometer for change, you'll always talk yourself out of possibility. The environment. I have these people to see, I have these places to go, I have these things to do. Their environment seduce them back into their present reality. The last one is time. There just wasn't enough time. And people shrink back into mediocrity, and they find people that do the same. And then they use each other to reaffirm their addiction or their conditioning into victimization. So then when you're at that lowest level in your life, 
where they don't want to keep their social engagements. They could actually see themselves through the eyes of someone else. And in neuroscience, that's called metacognition. And now they're beginning to observe their thoughts. They're beginning to notice their behaviors. They're looking at the feelings that they were living by and saying, I didn't even know I was suffering. It just feels like how I always lived. And the act of observing those states of mind and body means they're no longer the program. Now they're the consciousness observing the program. And that's the first step to change. Now that you have this basic model of how change works, how do you take this information and use it to create a future self? If where we place our attention is where we place our energy, how do we direct our attention to what we want in our life instead of what we don't want in our life? In the next episode, we'll dive into demystifying meditation and how to find the sweet spot of the generous present moment where you can begin to create a new future. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Dispenza, for this series, Rewired, and I hope to see you in the next episode where we go beyond the ordinary into the extraordinary.